Anyway, uh, let me pray, and then we'll uh, look into God's Word. God, you, you are good. Um, and even this moment, it's, uh, what, April 15th, night, uh, 2012, and at this space and place and time, um, you're here. You're in this very building. Your spirit dwells in this physical space. Um, and it's a mysterious, can be kind of a weird thing, but we believe it's uh, meant to be understood by ordinary people just like us, that your spirit speaks to us, encouraging, challenging, uh, stretching us to become the fully alive men and women and girls and boys that you've designed us to be. So would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see uh, whatever you want us to hear and whatever you want us to see this morning? Let me ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, Wizard of Oz, a uh, clip from Wizard of Oz, you'll recognize it. If you haven't seen the movie, then you're, go rent it sometime. But this is the, uh, when they first come across the lion in the uh, forest. All right. Go there and let us alone. Oh, Sam, huh? That's right, huh? <laughs> I don't get to stay fresh in that can. <laughs> come on, get up and fight, you shivering junkyard. Put your hands up, you lopsided bag of hay. Now that's getting personal, are you? Yes. Get up and teach him a lesson. What's wrong with you, kid? Okay, let's, uh, how many have used the word, have actually uttered the word coward any time in the last few months? That's probably a word, maybe you, maybe you have called about yourself or no? <laughs> no. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's probably a word we don't use, but let's just, let's just name this guy what he is. He's a coward. All right, it's a word, it's a word, uh, you know, we often don't, maybe we'll think, well, that's kind of cowardly, but we usually don't say that out loud. We usually don't say, well, what a coward. I mean, and if we do, it feels kind of condescending, but let's just call Mr. Lion what he is, and it's a coward. I mean, he, he 
he plays a big game, big words, you know, big roar and all these things like that, but then you, he gets exposed kind of in this scene as, as a really, really coward to the core, afraid of everything. Uh, here's my question. Uh, you too? You know, are there times where maybe you, you talk a good game, you talk a good Christian life, you talk a good whatever, but if truth be known, if somebody slapped you on the nose like Dorothy did, all of a sudden the real you starts coming out and you're insecure, you're afraid, you lack courage to be the man or woman you know God wants you to be. I mean, I can remember times in my life where I actually told my wife something I felt like God was asking me to do and I felt cowardly. Actually, the word I used was I'm a wimp. That's another word for coward, I suppose. But how many times would you look at your own life, not, not like uh, in you know, bravado kind of terms, but in spiritual growth, spiritual strength, spiritual courage, how many times would you say, I, kind of, I was kind of a coward in that situation? And I'm not using that word to demean yourself or degrade yourself, because I'm not using it to demean or degrade myself. I'm just saying, let's just call it what it is sometimes. It's, it's cowardice. We're afraid. And sometimes the reasons we're afraid are really legitimate and really overwhelming. Now, when you think about coward, being a coward, let me, let me throw up a couple questions that might kind of spur some of your thoughts on this, all right? And some of these questions, if you've been around Exodus, I love asking some of these questions. They're like standard questions. But it might help you kind of get your cowardly juices flowing, all right? What is God saying to you lately, and what are you doing with it? Or what are you not doing with it? Is there something God's been saying for you to do, asking you to do, and because of fear of blank, you really haven't stepped there yet? Maybe it's just something clear in Scripture, you know, where God says, you know, you can start with the Ten Commandments, you can start with sexual purity, you could start with financial wisdom and generosity, all those things that God's already said to do. And you're like, and you don't. And why not? And usually it's fear. Or maybe there's just something that God's been putting on your heart. In my case, years ago, it was, I feel like God was asking me to follow up a conversation with somebody, you know, what I call hard conversation. And none of us like hard conversations. But I remember telling my wife, you know, I, I feel like God's asking me to do this with this particular person. This was 15 years ago. But I'm not doing it. She said, why not? And I said, well, I'm a wimp. I'm a coward. I'm afraid, of, I'm afraid of what I can't control in the conversation. But I know God wants me to have this conversation. I'm just afraid. I'm a coward. And I was a pastor at the time, and you know, I could speak a good game up front and talk about boldness and courage and speaking the truth. But when God asked me to do something that required courage on my part, I was like, yeah, I'm not really sure because I'm, I'm thinking of all the things that could go wrong. I'm thinking about how hard this might be. I'm thinking about the pain it could cause me. I'm thinking about the repercussions that this person responds poorly. You know, we, we make our list pretty quickly. So is there something God's been asking you to do or that God's already told us to do that God's putting on your screen and you just are choosing to freeze because you're a coward? And again, we're all cowards in some sense. Or another question that might be helpful is, are there any obstacles hindering your life-giving friendship with Jesus? Is there something in the way that's defeating, disheartening, or deflating? Maybe it's a habit. Uh, maybe it's just a mindset. Maybe there's just a block, 
of something that you can't seem to get around in your life. And, it le- and, and maybe you've even tried. It's kind of like, you know, it's like trying to break through a wall. Maybe you've run and hit the wall a few times. You're trying to break out of this style of living and this mindset and the pattern of life that you know is not going to lead you to joy and energy and the life Jesus promises. But you feel like you've ran against this wall too many times and you just, it's not budging. So you're just ready to quit, kind of give up. You're ready to kind of entrench yourself in a safe but cowardly lifestyle. And again, I can think of many times where I've done that. So I'm not criticizing you as much as as, as well as myself. It's just you run, you hit. You run, you hit. You run, you hit. You bounce off, and you're like, okay, I'm tired of this. I've tried all the ways I thought I could break out of this pattern or I could become the man or woman God wants me to be, but it doesn't seem to be working, so I am just going to sit down and make life work. All right? So maybe, again, so maybe it's an obstacle. Maybe it's something God's been asking you to do. All right? So... What is that for you? What we've been doing in the last uh, number of months, we've been uh, doing a series called Remember from the book of Deuteronomy. Um, Deuteronomy is the fifth book in what's referred to as the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of our Old Testament or the Jewish Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy is the fifth book. And Deuteronomy is where Moses, and some people, the Jewish, uh, Jewish people would call it the fifth book of Moses. The Jewish, uh, the, the word Deuteronomy means uh, the second law. Moses isn't giving a second law. He's just repeating to the people, all right? Go to the next slide. Here's the situation. If, you're, if you understand, if you know of any, uh, any sense of the history of the Old Testament, Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, upper left-hand yellow dot. They were enslaved in Egypt for a number of years. It was horrible. They were oppressed. Uh, they were discouraged. They were weary. They were hopeless. And again, I've said to some of you, some of us, we all can relate to those times in our lives or those issues in our lives where we feel weary, depressed, hopeless, uh, and beat up. All right. Moses, God raises up Moses to lead them. They take 40 years to go through the Sinai Desert. Uh, should have taken them a handful of weeks, but because of their own uh, stupidity and mistakes and sins and stubbornness and cowardice, uh, God made them wander for a while. They're now on the verge, up in the upper right-hand dot by the R, they're on the verge of crossing the Jordan River. They're on the verge of going into the promised land that had been promised to the Jewish people for generations. It was this, this was what life was supposed to be like for them, the life they've always wanted. A land of plenty, a land of prosperity, a land of rest, a land of peace. This was the life that they had been promised but it seemed for years, it seemed so far away from them because they were slaves. Now, present day here, what, a, what have you been told about the Christian life? You believe about life as a follower of Jesus in terms of freedom and joy and peace and strength that to you feels like it's way across the Sinai Peninsula. Like I, I know that's what life is supposed to be like, but I'm not, doing, I, I'm not experiencing that. So that's where they were. They were about ready to cross over. Moses is giving the last kind of speech of his life. He's going to die soon. He wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. Another story, but he wasn't allowed to. He's given the last speech before they cross over, before they cross this whole new phase of their life. All right? And let's uh, just jump into that story here. This is toward the end of uh, the book of Deuteronomy. And I'll just read. There's a number of slides here, but obviously notice the, the part in yellow 
Uh, and when we get to that part, I'm going to have you read it out loud with me, all right? So this is Moses talking to them kind of before you step into this new promise. Here's what you're going to need to know. The Lord will destroy the nations living in the land. The Lord will hand over to you the people who live there, and you must deal with them as I have commanded you. With me? So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Then Moses called for Joshua, and as all Israel watched, he said to him, with me, Be strong and courageous. For you will lead these people into the land the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged. The Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Then this is skip down in that chapter. Then the Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, with these words. Read it with me. Be strong and courageous, for you must bring the people of Israel into the land I swore you to give them, and I will be with you. Stay here for a second. Um, you know, it says the Lord commissioned Joshua with these words. It's one of those things where, let's just think about what that was like. I, mean, I doubt it was God saying, be strong and courageous. It may have just been an internal prompting that Joshua was feeling at that time. We don't have any evidence that God spoke with a megaphone or got his PA system turned on. And I guess I'm saying that because I think sometimes we kind of think, well, God doesn't speak to me in those big kind of voice ways. We don't know that Joshua may have just had this clear sense that that's what he was hearing God say, be strong and courageous. And he may have told whoever recorded this down, that's what I was sensing that time. I felt like God was clearly impressing him on me had to be strong and courageous. And again, I'm saying that because otherwise it sounds like this way out of reach kind of spirituality. But no, it's probably just some kind of internal prompting, uh, whisper, whatever you want to call it. All right, okay, next one. Now we jump into Joshua. So a few chapters later, Moses has died. They've grieved for him for 30 days. Joshua's now the leader. They haven't crossed yet, but I want you to see what repeats as the theme here, right? After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. With me? Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Again, with me, be strong and very courageous. All right, God throws a very in there. It means exceedingly. Like, step it up, Joshua. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Don't, don't deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. This is my command with me. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It seems like Joshua and the people were supposed to remember, be strong and courageous. All right? Over and over, Moses repeats it because God wants me to say that, then God keeps repeating it. Now, I used to be a high school teacher, and whenever I repeated things to students, it was because I wanted them to get it. And I knew if I didn't repeat it over and over again, they may not think it's that important. So God is just employing good educational technique here. But at the same time, he's saying that because he knows they will need that. It's not like he's saying, be strong and courageous. Life's going to be easy from here, so I better say something that sounds kind of tough and manly and strong. He's saying this because he knew what life would be like for them even as they cross into the land of promise and plenty. He wasn't going to 
They weren't going to waltz in there. They had to cooperate with what God wanted to do in this new land. But God's, it's like God saying, you know, be strong and courageous. Like, you're going to need this. Be strong and courageous. And then like, you know, a couple slides earlier, be strong and very courageous. It's almost like God's saying, don't forget this. So what's the lesson of the day? Here's the lesson. You're in desperate need, as am I, of strength and courage. Strength and courage. Think of those things that we maybe you thought about earlier, things where God's asked you to do something and you're paralyzed on it, you're not doing it. Or God's asked you to stop doing something and you haven't yet stopped yet. Or there's a big obstacle in your life that you know it's keeping you from a uh, life-giving friendship with Jesus, but you may be given up. You've kind of given in to uh, kind of a religious cowardice, and you're not going to push any farther. But you and I are all in desperate need of strength and courage in our lives. And this is not like, I'm not talking about bravado. I'm not talking about, Aah! I mean, you've been around people like that where it's just kind of like, you know, I, I want to see it in real life. I want to see real strength and real courage. And I, I'm going to actually define it this way. I mean, I'm going to call it undaunted strength and tenacious courage because these words here in the, in the original language, you know, the strength is, the strength is talked about is not just, yeah, you need strength. It's like you need undaunted strength. Now, for those of you who don't know the word daunted means, I had to look it up on dictionary.com today because I like the word. And where, where, where does that, where does that, uh, where does the word daunted show up? IU students, IU fans? Never daunted, we shall not falter. You've probably sung that many times, and if somebody said, what does daunted mean? You're like, I don't know. (laughs) Daunted means, if you're undaunted, that means you are somewhat unshakable. When things go wrong, when things go as you weren't expecting them to go, you're you're not knocked off your horse, never get up again. I can look at times in my life where I have been daunted. Something has happened, whether it's some little financial crisis, some relational issue in my marriage or whatever, and it's just like, uh, I give in to being daunted, and I was like, okay, I'm done trying. This is too hard for me. And then I I eventually get up, but it seems like, there are certain things that can daunt me. And my, my guess is you too. There's certain things that can, things go wrong. Life didn't go how you thought it was going to do. God throws a curveball, not because he's mean, because it's just, he's in control. Situations happen. Financial crisis, relational crisis, career crisis, life crisis, whatever. So the kind of strength we need is an undaunted kind of strength. This, this, this really, really dates me. But there used to be these punching bags that had like sand in the bottom. They were like a clown. You may remember these. And if you punched it with all the sand in the bottom, it would kind of go down, but it would pop back up again. So you keep punching it, and it would keep coming back for more. And there's times where I think, I think the kind of strength we need is, yeah, there's going to be things happening that are going to bump you off. But how do we become the kind of people that are like, no, I'm coming back again. I'm popping up again. I'm popping up again. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. Because I know, in this case, what God's saying to them, I know what God's called me to do. That's what Joshua would say, the people of Israel would say. You know the kind of person God's asked you to be. You know the kind of marriage God says our marriages can be or our family relationships can be like. You know the kind of generosity and integrity you can exhibit in your life. 
And it will take undaunted strength and perseverance to have confidence that God will bring you there. Um, some of you, um, there's one, at least one here this morning that I'm thinking about that has had a lot of, uh, a lot of blows delivered to them in life that weren't their fault, and they didn't sign up for that. But in my conversation with this person, this person seems to exhibit, they wouldn't think this about themselves, but I think they have an incredible undaunted strength because they're not quitting. Yeah, they get, it's frustrating, but they're not quitting. They're continuing to trust God, the goodness of God in their life. Now, let's talk about tenacious courage. Tenacious courage is that sense of, uh, I'm going to go after this. I'm going to go after it again. I'm going to go after it again. I'm going to go after it again. Uh, The situation I referred to earlier, which is just one of many times where I felt like God was wanting me to have a conversation with somebody that was not going to be like a fun conversation. Maybe you've had those conversations with your spouses or one of your kids or your parents, somebody you work with, and you know that the conversation needs to happen because you know somehow that will unlock some keys to freedom in your and their life. So the conversation is not to control people, it's to unlock freedom, right? And there's been times where, I remember one, one particular situation, I, I, I had the conversation with the person, but I didn't really say what I needed to say. I kind of danced around what I felt like God wanted me to say, hoping they'd get it by osmosis or something, hoping they'd say, what are you really trying to say, Matt? But I, and, I, and I remember going home that day and telling my wife, this was years ago, I remember saying, you know, I, I think I kind of swung and missed on that conversation today. And she's like, are you going to go talk to him again? I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure if, I didn't say this, but I'm thinking, I'm not sure if I have tenacious courage right now. One time took enough out of me. But I did. I revisited the conversation. It was hard again. What was said, uh, what I said and what they said back to me was hard to hear but it took tenacious courage on both of our parts in that conversation. Some of you may need to have those conversations in your marriages. Some of you may have to hear those conversations from others. Some of you may need to deliver those conversations from others. Again, with the utmost ultimate goal is always freedom. When God was telling the Israelites about the promised land and prosperity and freedom, he, he was, that, that, that was the goal. But let's be honest, we live in a world, the Bible tells us, we live in a world at war. And I'm not talking about Al-Qaeda or anything else. I'm talking about spiritual realities that any movement that you make, any movement you make toward freedom and life in the spiritual sense, any movement you make will always hit opposition. The Bible's clear on that. Anytime someone moves toward the life God has promised them, a life of freedom, of joy, of strength, Satan will step in and oppose and try to block you at every single point of the way. As a matter of fact, spiritual opposition is usually a sign you're heading in the right direction. I guarantee you, and I've told this, you make the decision that you're going to give money away to somebody. You feel like God said, I want you to give money to this person, you know. I guarantee you, give money away the next day, your water heater's going to break down. I'm not going to guarantee that, because don't hold me to it. Um, it may be something more expensive. Who knows? Or you may, you may think, okay, I, I'm ready to talk to my spouse about this issue. And I think they're in a good mood. I think we can go out to eat. And I think we've relaxed. And then something else happens and you're in a bad mood. They're in a bad mood. And 
Yeah, I had it all planned out. God, I was going to do what you asked me to do. And then opposition seems to come out of nowhere. Um, all of a sudden, you're in a bad mood and you don't know why. They're in a bad mood, you don't know why. Your checkbook balance is below zero and you don't know why. He's like, I, what? And it's because you will hit opposition. Strength and courage, that's why Jesus, that's what God was saying this. You don't need strength and courage if there's no opposition. That's like giving a pregame talk to basketball or football, whatever sports team. Tell them they need strength and courage and coach, who are we playing today? Well, nobody, nobody's showing up. But you need strength and courage out there anyway. You're like, well, it's a stupid game. No, you need strength and courage because there's opposition trying to keep you from what you think you need, what God wants you to do. That's why you need strength and courage. Now, here's the, here's the thing for me on this passage. You know, God keeps saying, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And my response is, okay, God, I get it. But just, just, just knowing that doesn't make me strong and courageous. How do, what do I do now? Because I know, I mean, there's not one of us here that doesn't know we need to be, I need to have undaunted strength and tenacious courage in my life as a follower of Jesus because I want to be the kind of life-giving, strong, joyful, full-of-life kind of person God designed me to be. There's not one of us ultimately who doesn't know that. The, the challenge, I think, is, well, how? What do I do? Because I want that. And... uh Two things I'll say. One is, um, if you want to have that kind of strength and courage, it starts with you uh, surrendering. And it sounds kind of strange because it's like, okay, I'm going to be strong and courageous, but I have to first surrender. Well, you first surrender and you realize, like Joshua realized, we read the rest of the book of, the Josh, of Joshua, Joshua had to constantly do things God's way. The very, the very first three weeks after they cross over, they do this silly kind of march around Jericho seven times, and it's like, really? God, that seems kind of stupid. We're going to march around Jericho seven times and not talk? I mean, and then the last day we blow trumpets and yell, and then what's going to happen? The walls are going to fall down? Really? I mean, sometimes God, it, it, but if you're unwilling to tell, let God tell you whatever he needs to do to get you to that place of freedom then you won't have the strength and courage to get there. But if you're willing to say, I will trust you, and what, what Moses and what God often says is be strong and courageous. Anybody remember what kind of phrase often followed that in the passage we read? For the Lord your God is with you. For the Lord your God goes ahead of you. For the Lord your God will not abandon you or forsake you. He's not saying, hey, go in there and get them, and I'll stay back here and see how it goes. I mean, think with this whole idea of being with it. Think about uh, Braveheart, the movie. And the troops, if you don't know, the troops were kind of despondent. And then William Wallace shows up. What happens to the troops? (sighs) Think about uh, Lord of the Rings. When they're ready to uh, take, uh, they were ready to help defend, I think it was Helm's Deep or something like that. And all of a sudden, who shows up? Out of nowhere, Gandalf. And what happened? Or in the Chronicles of Narnia, they're losing the battle. And who shows up? Aslan. And you can see wind going into their chests. When I'm in the middle of getting ready to have a conversation with my wife, 
about maybe a hard conversation. If I'm going to look at my checkbook and I'm frustrated with finances, Jesus goes there with me. And sometimes I think, okay, I'm alone. I'll take this alone. But that's where strength and courage comes from. I don't have strength and courage in me. We have strength and courage because we've had kind of the, the pioneer leader in Jesus who is the ultimate of strength and courage. I mean, I was watching, uh, what was it called? The Passion, the Mel Gibson movie. And Mel Gibson shows up in Braveheart and now The Passion, but it's not about Mel Gibson. Anyway, um, in the parts where Jesus was getting kind of brutalized and tortured, and knowing that he knew it was coming and knowing that he could have stopped it if he wanted to, I thought, what kind of strength and courage does this man have? There's no one like Jesus. Absolutely no one. Don't ever, don't ever, I remember years ago, I was talking to an IU uh, wrestler. He was a heavyweight wrestler, a big guy. And he said, yeah, my, my wrestling buddies tell me, I, don't get too serious about that Jesus thing because it'll make you soft. And I said, you know what? They don't know the Bible. Jesus wasn't soft. I mean, strength and courage defi- I mean, it took strength and courage to face up against the spiritual oppression of the Pharisees. Same thing with you. It's going, to take, it's going to take strength and courage for you often to take a stand on something, even when the religious people around you won't. It took strength and courage for Jesus because he's signing his death warrant as he's doing all this. It took strength and courage for Jesus to step into situations where he knew he'd be mocked, where he knew he'd be criticized, where he knew he'd be plotted against. It took strength and courage for Jesus to kind of walk into the Good Friday Saturday kind of painful torture crucifixion. And so this passage from Hebrews talks about, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates our faith and initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy waiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so you will not grow weary and lose heart, so you'll not be discouraged and dismayed. So you'll not be uh, faint-hearted, faint-hearted. The very thing that Moses is telling and God is telling Joshua, don't be discouraged or afraid. Don't be faint-hearted. Actually, the word there actually means don't be shattered-hearted. Don't let, don't let yourself kind of give in to the fear. Probably the biggest thing most of us, myself included, struggle with in our spiritual lives is how do we push past fear? It's often the fear of the opinions of others. I mean, another question I could put up there, I didn't put it up there, was how does the fear of others uh, show up in your life? What don't you say that you would say if you didn't have fear of the other person's response that would be a life-giving thing? Or what do you say that you shouldn't say out of fear that other people think you should be on that same page? But where does the fear of the opinions of others show up in your life? Because that will show you one of your growth edges and that will show you where you desperately need the strength and courage to know that God's with you in those situations. So as we uh, close, like we do every Sunday, actually we close with communion. And uh, communion is not simply some religious activity. It is. Not simply a religious activity. It's not just some ritual. Although it is a ritual, it's a religious activity, but we believe there's meaning in life in this. Because when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, uh, among the many things we're to remember is remember that I'm with you. 
I go with you into those conversations. I go with you into your time where you're wrestling with your finances. I go with you into your future. I don't just send you out ahead. The Bible even says he goes ahead of us. He, he goes out ahead. So as you take this morning, as you take the bread and the grape juice uh, into you, maybe let it be a picture that Jesus said, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, there's nothing you're facing right now that I will not bring the strength and the courage that you need in that situation to bring life both to you and others around you. Here's how we do it at Exodus. Uh, Jeremy's going to lead us in a few more songs. And then um, there'll be people at the aisles with bread and grape juice there to serve you. Uh, we don't dismiss our rows. Just when we start singing, anybody can come up. You come up, people usually come on up. We offer the bread. You tear off a piece. If I can find the right end. Tear off a piece. And then we're offering you the cup. And then just for how we do it here, just dip it in the cup. Most people eat it right away. Some people take it back to their seat. There's no right or wrong way to do that. But essentially what you're saying is it's an acknowledgement of your desperate need for the strength and courage that is only available through the life of Jesus sacrificed and then risen again for us. So let me pray, and then we'll... Uh, at the same time, I'm sorry, I mentioned over by the... Underneath the backboard in the room, it says prayer. Uh, there are people there to pray for you. And maybe... You know, maybe without giving the details, maybe you just need to say to them, I just need prayer for strength and courage. You know the story that you're thinking about. Maybe you just need someone else to pray that, uh, that you would have confidence that God would show up in your life and strength and courage. All right, let me pray. God, we're grateful. Uh, we're grateful, Jesus, that you were not simply a kind religious teacher but you are the strongest, most courageous human being that ever set foot on the earth. Uh, and you're also God. And um, Jesus, thank you in that sense for being uh, our hero, our example, and then the one whose sacrifice made it possible so we can have that kind of strength and courage to be the women and men we know you've designed us to be, full of strength, courage, joy, life, that's the kind of people we want to be and we're grateful Jesus that you alone have opened the door for us to be those kind of people and we ask this all in Christ's name Amen